0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Some of you may remember a television and radio ad campaign several years ago for a firm by the name of Nationwide Insurance. Now with all the shake-ups and mergers and failures in that industry in recent years, I'm not really sure if they're still in business today or if they are, if they're operating under the same name. Like any human creation, companies come and companies go. Cars and houses and clothing and computers, nations and church bodies, sales and ad campaigns. All these things of mankind's doing will pass away. Even heaven and earth will pass away, Scripture tells us. Only the word of the Lord, that is, the promises that He has made to us and to all people, they shall endure forever. This ad campaign for Nationwide Insurance was memorable, not just because it had a catchy little tune to its jingle, but also because of the words that went along with it. Nationwide is on your side. It appealed to the very real, very human need in all of us to have an ally to have an advocate to have someone to care for and support us in a world where disaster and danger lurk around every bend in the road. We want someone to step in and to help us when we cannot help ourselves and to speak up for us when we are at a loss for words. Today's gospel lesson describes two miracles. Jesus performs these miracles for people who cannot speak for themselves. The first is a demon-possessed daughter, the second a deaf man. In each case, someone has to intercede for them. The first account focuses on the conversation that takes place between the mother of this girl and the second describes the means by which Jesus made the deaf man to hear and then to speak. You see, these two accounts, although they have that in common, also have something else that's very subtle, but also very, very important. The Holy Spirit inspired Mark here to record the fact that Jesus travels in both these cases, took him into Gentile territory. Mark tells us that the woman who had the demon-possessed daughter was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And in the second portion of the lesson, Jesus has traveled into an area called the Decapolis, and he restores the man's hearing there. This man likely also was a Gentile. These two accounts, along with Jesus' clear later command to go to all nations and to make disciples, this shows us that Jesus did not come just to save and to serve the Jews, but also to save and to serve the Gentiles, including you and me. There's much to learn from the account of that woman who pleads on behalf of her daughter. Jesus, warn, Jesus rather wants her to learn more about the great gift of faith that she's been given by the Holy Spirit. So he tests her faith just a little bit. He says to her, Let the ch- little children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. With these words, Jesus not only tests her faith, but He also gives us an insight into the cruel attitude that many Jews had against Gentiles in those days. It's likely that some of those who were following Jesus, they might have agreed with His words and hoped that this woman would be discouraged and to go on her way. But those people did not know about the strength of the faith that the Holy Spirit had given to this woman and was even at this moment supporting her with. She was not going to give up. She answered the Lord, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. The Holy Spirit had created a great and strong faith in this woman, and He continued to preserve it. If the Lord said that she was a dog, well, she was willing to have a dog's share of the Lord's blessings. She would gladly and humbly take whatever crumbs the Lord tossed her way. When Jesus drove out the demon that possessed her daughter, Jesus was not just driving out a demon. He was identifying that many of the barriers we have in our lives were hers as well. He was opening salvation at that moment to every tribe and to every nation. He was saying that He was for people in all places and in all times. For if by grace through faith, He would drive out sin and evil on behalf of this one Gentile, The constancy of His love and His holiness would also, by grace through faith, do it for you and me as well. Now from our point of view, a deaf man might not be quite so dramatic as a demon-possessed daughter. Nevertheless, the man's inability to hear was still the result of sin in this world. The devil knows that the Holy Spirit plants faith by the Word of God. That same Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to write, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. Now since the deaf cannot hear the proclamation of the Lord's Word with their ears, they must hear it with their eyes. Someone must make proclamation of the Lord's Word to them in ways that they can see. Deafness is but one of many barriers that our sin places between us and God. Now the true tragedy for people who do not hear is not those who are physically deaf, but those who are spiritually deaf. Many people have physical hearing that is just fine, but they choose not to hear God's Word anyway. Now the excuses for this are many and varied. Some people think that they already know that everything God has to say to them. Others just don't care what it is God has to say. And still others are afraid that they might find out what they think God's Word says is not what it actually says. They're afraid that they might discover that they don't agree with God's Word. There are many, many other excuses, but there are no good reasons to not hear God's Word. Ultimately, spiritual deafness comes from that unholy trinity of devil, world, and our own sinful flesh. These forces of evil want to separate us from God's Word so they can separate us from God. For it is through the Word and through the operation of that Word in our lives that we become connected and we remain connected to God. The evil within and around us hopes to destroy our faith and the faith of our children. And their weapon in this war is to keep us away from God's Word and sacraments but you heard in last week's epistle lesson and in Pastor Knuckle's sermon of the tremendously powerful weapons with which God has equipped you and me for this battle. Most of these you will remember are protective weapons. Helmet, shield, breastplate, and so on. These will for a while, but only for a while, protect you from injury and from being lost and eternally captive to sin, death, and hell. Yet only one of those weapons Allows the people of God to fight back. That weapon is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We can't lift, we can't wield that sword alone. It must be given to us, it must be proclaimed to us. Thankfully, God has promised that He would always provide people to faithfully proclaim His Word to us. These people are like the friends of the deaf man who brought Him to Jesus, or the mother who pleaded for her daughter. These people might be faithful parents, those who bring their children to holy baptism and then daily share the teachings of Christ with their children as they grow up. They might be friends and associates in our lives, perhaps at work, who confess their faith as they live out their vocations in this world. The Holy Spirit works through parents, through teachers, through co-workers, friends, neighbors sometimes even through a faithful wife or husband who has to deal with an unfaithful or wavering spouse. They proclaim God's Word and they so bring people to Christ once and again and again and again. For we all stumble and fall regularly, don't we? There was a time in each of our lives when God worked through others to first bring us to Christ. As these people confessed the faith to us, Jesus' words worked in us, and they worked with the demon-possessed daughter, and they worked with a deaf man as well. In the case of the girl, a simple word from Jesus drove that demon out. In the case of the deaf man, Jesus combined His word with physical means to touch the man's ears and to touch his tongue and to give hearing and speech to that man. For us, God places the Word in our ears. He touches us in holy baptism. And He continues to keep us in our baptisms as we can repeatedly confess our sins and unceasingly receive His forgiveness. He actually comes to us and gives us His very self in the Holy Supper of His body and His blood. See, God uses these means because He has bound Himself to them and He promises through them to give us forgiveness, life, salvation. These and these alone are the means which God has told us He will use to bestow the Holy Spirit upon us and to give us Christ's gifts. The Holy Spirit uses these gifts because these are the means that He has provided to connect us to the cross of Christ. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus took place almost 2,000 years ago and in a place 6,000 miles from here. No matter how much we might wish or try or pray, we cannot on our own surmount the barriers of time or distance or culture that separate us from that cross and what the death of sinless Jesus upon it accomplished for us. Nor can we break down the barrier of our own sinful nature. But just as Jesus broke down the barriers of culture and separation and communication in today's Gospel lesson, so He breaks down all other barriers that stand between us and our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit uses the external means of Word and sacrament to transcend, to break down all of these barriers so that the benefits of the cross and the benefits of the empty tomb which follow it can be made ours. The Holy Spirit eliminates barriers with the Word and tells us of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And as the Holy Spirit works through the Word, we learn that our sin separates us from God, but that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross breaks down those barriers and reunites us with Him. We learn that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead also brings life to us for eternity. Through the Word, Christ reveals Himself to us. And in that revelation, He also reveals the Father and the Holy Spirit And he shows us God and shows us salvation. The Holy Spirit then uses this knowledge to make that salvation personal for us through the gift of faith. When the Holy Spirit joins water to word and drowns us there, he joins us to Christ's death there too, so that the price he paid for sins on the cross is now credited to us. Joined to Christ's death, we are thus joined to his resurrection. We become brothers and sisters of Christ, children of the heavenly God. We have the privilege to come before God to confess our sins and to receive the enduring comfort of that forgiveness. We become heirs to eternal life. We become princes of the Kingdom of Heaven. And when the Holy Spirit comes through the Word and is joined to the bread and wine in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus Himself is there He gives Himself to us. As we take Him into our mouths, He feeds our very souls. He strengthens our faith in Him. He has promised that in this sacrament, He is ours for the forgiveness of sins and for the life and salvation that go along with it. Through these means, the Holy Spirit brings us forgiveness directly from the cross to us. Without these means, we would have no faith. We would have no forgiveness, no salvation. And our eternity would be far more terrifying than anything you could conjure up on your own. How thankful then we can be that the Holy Spirit works through God's people, through people like you and me, to bring that Word to others and to administer these means. As the prophet Isaiah was once inspired to write, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. God's process for sustaining Christ's church in this world is just amazing. Just as the mother had pleaded for her daughter, and just as the friends had brought the deaf man to Jesus, God also works through His people to bring God's Word to us and to others. He brings it into our ears. He brings it in the wet word of baptism. He brings it in the flesh of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given us at the Lord's table. The Holy Spirit works constantly through the Word of God to work faith in us and to bring many to the church of Christ. As the Holy Spirit sustains us in the one true faith, He sends us out in the world to give confession to that faith, to spread His Word throughout the entire world. We also live out our faith in love and in good works toward others as St. James' epistle teaches us this day. Not because these works save us, but because these works demonstrate what God's love and Word do in people working in their lives. As we confess, as we live out in in our lives in daily word and deed, with family, with friends, with associates, with all the other people we confront, God has promised to use our confession to bring others to faith in Christ as well, to bring them for healing, a healing that produces faith and gives them forgiveness. In this way, in this amazingly crazy, incomprehensible, but true and faithful way, Jesus has promised that His message would go throughout the entire world that His church would grow in this way. He will bring many from all over the world, Jew and Gentile alike, to faith in Him and to life in heaven forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.